0: Welcome to New Catholic Church. You're listening to this week's sermon by Pastor Daryl Fingston. It's good to see you here this morning. Welcome. If you have your Bibles, I want you to invite you to turn to John chapter 16. John chapter 16. And we're going to end our series. In fact, there's been kind of two series put together. Pastor Chris did a series and then asked me to talk about the holy spirit we're going to end that this morning the next sunday as pastor chris said he'll be sharing he and candy will be sharing with you about their trip to israel and you won't want to miss that john 3:16 says for god so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son and whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting or eternal life Verse 17 says, For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. And he who believes in Him is not condemned. But he who does not believe is condemned already, because he's not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. God loves the world, so much so that He gave His only begotten Son, that they should not perish, but have eternal life If they believe. But it looks like in our day, the world is getting further and further away from believing. At least in America. What's God's strategy to get the world to believe? Have you ever asked that? What's his strategy? What's he going to do? Have you ever felt that? Jesus is God's answer to mankind's situation. It's a his answer for the whole world. But how are they going to believe? In John chapter 14 through 16, Jesus is giving what's called the upper room discourse with his disciples, and he's telling them he's leaving, he's going back to the Father. And they are confused, they're distressed, they're actually in a panic. Jesus, what about your plan? They've been following Him for three years. What about your plan? Jesus, You are the plan. You're the Christ, the Son of the living God. You are the King, come to set up the kingdom. How can You leave? What about your plan? what about your kingdom? Can you just feel their pain? Jesus is telling them, I'm leaving. He's told them he's going to die. They can't understand it. Sometimes I wonder, God, what, what about your plan? <laughs> I read the scripture and I see what he says and I say, think, God, it looks like it's the opposite's going on in our world instead of what you've planned and so Jesus tells them and I want us to look at John chapter 16 verse 6 through 11 John 16 6 through 11 and I want to share with you this morning uh, a fresh revelation for me and let me just read this scripture and then we'll talk about it Because I've said these things to you, Jesus is talking to them. Because I've said these things to you about leaving, sorrow has filled your heart. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it's to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the Helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. And verse 8 is going to be our focus this morning. And when he's come, he will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. Of sin, because they do not believe in me. Of righteousness, because I go to my Father and you see me no more. Of judgment, because the ruler of this world is judged. Jesus is going to send the Helper, the Holy Spirit, the paraclete, the one that's just like him... He's the one who has been called alongside to assist, to to take charge of my case, to plead my cause, my advocate, my defense attorney, my true helper. That's God's plan. He's going to send the helper. Look at John 8, 16, 8 again. Verse 8, look at it. And when he has come, he will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. Do you see it? When he... Has come. When the Holy Spirit comes, He will convict. elego, Elego. I can't pronounce it. It means to reprove, to convince, to expose, to prove them wrong about sin and righteousness and judgment. Now, when you read this verse, it sounds like it's going to be a distinct ministry of the Holy Spirit. To convince the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment. It's like He's going to show up and He's going to show them. He's going to persuade them. He's going to expose them. I like that. Holy Spirit, the Helper, is just going to come and He's going to convict the world. He's going to convince the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment. I can't wait to see that happen. But is that what these words of Jesus is really saying? Thanks to Pastor Chris, I've seen something that... uh, I see something different here than I've ever seen before. You know, because why I say I thank Pastor Chris because he asked us to read all of this as one conversation. Chapters 13 through 17. To read it as Jesus talking in one conversation... And so, a lot of times, here's what we do. We pick and choose and we quote verses out of these. How many times you, you, have you heard this verse? When He has come, when the Holy Spirit has come, He will convict the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment. And we quote it, we pull it out, and we quote it, and we think we know what He's saying. We think what He's saying is the Holy Spirit, when He comes, He's going to get them. He's going to show them. He's going to expose them. He's going to prove them wrong. And we're just sitting back as the church waiting for the Holy Spirit just to show up, show off, and do His work. But is that what Jesus is saying? When we read this verse, we quote it, and it's like, He comes, He convicts the world, but... Verse 7 says, nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it's to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the Helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send Him to you. Now that's the verse right before verse 8. I'm telling you the truth, it's to your advantage that I'm going to send the Holy Spirit to you. And the next words is, and when He comes, when He comes where I'm sending Him, He's going to convict the world of sin of righteousness as judgment. And if we go back earlier in the conversation that Pastor Chris told us to read this as one conversation, if you go back to chapter 14 and verse 16 through 18... Jesus says, and I'm going to pray the Father and He will send you another helper that He may abide with you forever, the Spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees Him nor knows Him, but you know Him for He dwells with you and will be in you. And I will not leave you orphans, I will come to you. Jesus actually says in verse 17 that the world can't receive the Holy Spirit because it neither sees Him nor knows Him. So if the world doesn't see or know, experience the Holy Spirit, how does He convince them? Look at verse 8 again. And when He has come, and when He comes to you, He will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and judgment. Do you realize what Jesus was saying to his disciples and to all who would believe? When the Holy Spirit has come to you, he will convince the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment. You, spirit-filled Christian. You, follower of Jesus Christ. You are the key to the world being convinced of their sin, of righteousness, and of the enemy's judgment. That changes things, doesn't it? Instead of sitting back waiting for the Holy Spirit to show up and show off and get them, the Holy Spirit is here in me. He come to me. And it's in his ministry in me and through me that he is going to convince the world. He's not leaving you out. You're key to it. That changes things, doesn't it? He's going to convince the world, but not apart from his people. So what is the Spirit going to do to you, with you, through you, to impress and prove the world wrong about sin, righteousness, and judgment? And what <laughs> wrong about things? What things? He, he mentions three things here. The world, he's going to convince the world of three things. That they're wrong about sin, they're wrong about righteousness, and they're wrong about judgment. Wrong. Convince. Let's look. John sixteen nine says of sin he gives the definition. He gives the explanation of sin because they do not believe in me. Sin is harmatia. It's sin. It means missing the true end and scope of our lives, which is God. Let me just say this, and you've got to understand, unbelieving society, the secular system of our day, does not believe in Jesus the way you believe in Jesus, nor does it have any deep sense of its sin. That's the one thing I want you to realize. The world has no concept of its own sin. Now notice I don't say sins. Jesus didn't say when the Holy Spirit has come to you, He's going to convince and convict the world of sins. But of sin, there's a big difference here that, and here's the the business of the believer, and the church needs to hear this: the business of the believer is not to commit the world of sins, but of sin. There's a fundamental sin, which is a violation of God's intention for humanity. You see, sin separates you from God and His standard for living. It's a deceptive and destructive force that wrecks and ruins the full glory and the beauty of humanity. As God intended. I'm going to say something and I want you to hear it. We're not sinners because we sin. We sin because we're sinners Does that make you think you think I'm saying the same thing. You see we think we become something because we do something. I want you to know we do those things because we are that. when I say we i'm talking about the world. the world has no heres here's I want you to I want you to understand this. The world has no concept of the righteous standard by which man created in the beauty of his holiness. They have no idea. They're trying to make their own standard. And it doesn't matter how much a person has, how much money he has, what he's accomplished in life. Have you noticed that the world is still empty and hurting and lonely and missing purpose? It's just like we're trying to fill life up. Because here's the fundamental of sin. Sin <clears throat> is trying to play the game of life without any reference to the one who made the rules. Mankind has lost its meaning, its purpose, his His peace. Why? Because of sin. Life is empty and it's hurting and it's misery and it's loneliness. Why? Because of sin. We're trying to to live life without the God who created the life we're trying to live. And when... The first thing the world sees when they see people who have been inwardly transformed by the presence of the Holy Spirit, releasing to them the life of Jesus, is that here are a people who found the secret of life. Here's how I've heard it before. What is it about you? What is it about you? That these things that's going on doesn't bother you like they bother everybody else. They don't affect you like they affect you. What is it about you? They said the same thing about Jesus. What is it about you? You speak as one having authority. Do you know what Jesus was telling his disciples? The way I have been when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you will be. The works that I've done, you will do also. And here's the thing I want you to see. That you literally have been transformed by the very truth and life of Jesus Christ. And the person of the Holy Spirit comes and lives that transformation through you. And when the world sees you living and active in the midst of everything they're going through too. You see, the... It doesn't mean the absence of pain. It doesn't mean the absence of circumstances. Those things are happening to us too. The difference is we have a innate, an innate and inner presence and ba- being and ability to hold on when everybody else is turning loose. To walk through instead of running away. To stand when everybody else is falling. Now, it's not you, it's the presence of the Holy Spirit in you. And here's the thing that Jesus said and He's going to be with you and in you forever. Why? Because they don't. Why is it that you're different? Because you believe in Him you found the secret of calmness and peace and forgiveness. And the world discovers for the first time that the character of sin is to ignore the one who's in charge of life. They sin because they do not believe in me. The secret of life is to believe in and come to the Lord Jesus. Verse 10. And of righteousness because I go to my Father and you see me no more. Righteousness is... Dikea sune. It means justice or righteousness. Just or righteous. Righteousness is that state commanded and expected by God because He's Creator. And, and, and that ability to stand the test of His judgment. Now, we, we often quote the Old Testament when we say there's none righteous, no not one. And all of our righteousness... Is his filthy rags and all that kind of stuff. And that's true, apart from Jesus Christ. But here's what I want you to understand the world has no idea of the righteousness of God. They keep trying to make up their own righteousness. That's what law did. Law, we think by performance we can get God's judgment, God's approval. That he's going to judge us approved. And that's totally opposite of truth. You don't get God's justice and righteousness by your performance. You get it by your faith in Jesus Christ. Second Corinthians 5.21 says, For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the very righteousness of God in him. That's it. When the world sees us, when the world sees us walking with God, in right relationship with God, not fearing Him, not cowering away from Him, but in a relationship with Him, the world is going to know that there's something different, that there is a a righteousness, a way to stand, a wholeness, a way to stand by coming to Jesus. Romans talks about it in Romans, about a righteousness apart from the law, which is by faith. Now, this is only possible because Jesus went to the Father. Now, I want to tell you something, and you're going to hear it later, but I want you to understand that righteousness, the way that we have it, wasn't, wasn't made fully available until Jesus died and rose from the grave. And because of our faith in Him, God can declare us right. Because He who knew no sin took our sin, paid the price, performed the deal. That we, sinners, could be made the very righteousness of God in Him. So in a real way, when the world looks at us and we're, not, we're, we're standing right with God... We're standing right with God. Today, I stand right with God, not based on my performance, but based on my relationship with Jesus Christ. I'm in Him, and He's in me. When the world sees that, the world sees a different righteousness. A righteousness that comes to be inside, not just outward performance. That doesn't mean perfection. I'm not talking about perfect behavior, but I'm talking about progressive transformation. That God is transforming me outwardly because He's already transformed me inwardly. I'm becoming someone. I'm being conformed to the very image of Christ. I'm in process. The work's already been completed. The way's already been made. I'm in process. I'm in relationship with him. And then finally in John sixteen eleven, it says of judgment because the ruler of this world is judged. And it's Croesus. Croesus, judgment given, sentence pronounced. It means an official judgment that is settled, that's already been pronounced. Jesus declares that the world will learn judgment. Now, King James says judgment to come. And while that's involved, that's not what he's saying here. In other words, it's that the the ruler of this world is judged, has been judged. It's already a settled deal. It's already a settled sentence. It's a judgment and a pronounce, an official judgment of God, that the enemy has been judged. It's settled. He's defeated. Satan is the leader behind the philosophy of our world, the invisible spirit whose masterminds the psychology of non-Christians, distorting their thinking, leading them into illusions and wrong attitudes toward life. The ruler of this world is judged. Well, what's Jesus talking about? The enemy's power's been broken. When the world... And you read the rest of the New Testament and you see that the thing that that, that the world took note of is that they had been with Jesus and they were doing the works of Jesus and the enemy couldn't stop them. You couldn't kill them enough to destroy what God was doing. You couldn't set them back. The more you persecuted them, the more they grew. You ought to understand what it was saying is there is a freedom, there is a liberty that Christ has given through the power of the presence of the Holy Spirit that nothing in this world can stop. When the world looks at the believer, they ought to see a liberty, a freedom, uh, that we're no longer bound by the sins that bind the world, by the habits that hold people in bondage by the fear of death. Jesus conquered sin and death in the grave. Now we are alive in Him and He's in us by the Holy Spirit. And we have freedom and the authority over the enemy. Revelations twelve ten and 11. John says, then I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, now... Now salvation and strength in the kingdom of our God and the power of Christ have come. For the accuser of our brethren who accused them before our God day and night has been cast down. They overcame him by the blood of the Lamb, by the word of their testimony, and they did not love their lives to the death. I'm saying all of that, and here's where I want to get to the point, because all of that is kind of teaching and doctrinal. It's truth, but here's the thing. Most of us think that we're going to have to have this up some kind of high lifestyle in order to convict the world. Let me tell you, it's the presence of the Holy Spirit that convicts the world in you. You, you're God's witness. You're Jesus' evidence. You're the Holy Spirit's temple and His tools. To convince the world of sin and righteousness and judgment. This was initially fulfilled. What Jesus is saying in John 16 was initially fulfilled on the day of Pentecost. If you turn to Acts chapter 2. You're going to find 50 days later after this. 50 days later. What Jesus was talking about in John 16 comes to fruition. The first fruit. The Holy Spirit is poured out on those that were gathered in the upper room. And tongues of fire stood over each of them. And they began to, they were filled with the Holy Spirit and they began to speak with tongues. And everyone gathered in Jerusalem, gathered, they began to hear the the wonderful works of God expressed in their own tongue. And the Bible says they were amazed, they were confused, and some of them mocked. They're drunk with new wine. Peter stands up and he speaks with the anointing of the Holy Spirit. I want to read verse 32. Through thirty nine, he says, This Jesus, this is Peter speaking to the people. This Jesus, God raised up, of which you are all witnesses. Romans tells us that he was declared righteous with power because of the resurrection. In other words, God would not raise up an unrighteous person. The world suddenly, through Peter's preaching, was convinced of righteousness. The living Lord Jesus. It says that He's raised him up and exalted him at the right hand of God. And having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, He poured out this which you now see and hear. Verse 36, Therefore, let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. Verse 37, Now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? Cut to the heart. They were convinced they were wrong. They were convinced of sin. They were convinced of Jesus' righteousness and they were convinced that the enemy had been judged. He had conquered the grave. He had conquered death and said to Peter and the rest, what shall we do? And then Peter said to them, repent, change the way you think. Let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit for the promise is to you. Do you see it? The promise is to you to your children, and to all who are afar off, as many as our, the Lord our God will call. From that time forward, until our day, until the day that Jesus comes again, God's strategy hasn't changed. When the Holy Spirit comes upon you, when the Holy Spirit comes to you, He will convict and convince the world. Of sin, of judgment, of righteousness. Well, preacher, if that's true, if the Holy Spirit has filled followers of Jesus, empowering them to live and to witness, convincing the world concerning Jesus the Lord, then why are we not seeing the transformation of the world in America? God hasn't changed his strategy. What's the problem? Perhaps the problem is we're not convinced. We're not convinced that sin has truly been conquered. That righteousness is truly ours. That the enemy, the ruler of this world has been judged already. Perhaps the problem is not with God's plan but but with our perception of his presence so let me ask you are you convinced are you convinced that Jesus is the Christ the lord of salvation and that forgiveness and peace with the father is available to all through him are you really convinced that Jesus has paid the price that the way's made that it's available Are you living in such a way with the presence of the Holy Spirit on you that you are living a convinced life that the world would see you and know forgiveness is a possibility? Sin can be conquered. A relationship with Jesus is a reality. Are they convinced of righteousness? Are you convinced of righteousness? Are you convinced that you stand right before God because of the presence of the life of God that is in you in the person of the Holy Spirit? Can you understand that you are absolutely right with God today because of His presence and the issue of life in you? I'm not saying you're perfect. I'm not saying you don't mess up. Hey, I screw up all the time. But here's the difference. I'm convinced... That I stand right with God, not based on my performance, but based on my relationship with Jesus Christ and His presence in me. Are you convinced that the enemy has really been defeated, judged? And that you have the authority. You don't have to be bound by anything that the enemy throws at you. You don't have to be bound by what binds the world. Are you convinced? You see, how can we convince the world when we're not convinced? What will convince the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment? A transformed people who know, hear, and respond to Jesus Christ, who love one another and walk in the power and demonstration of the Holy Spirit because He's real, He's here, and He is going to do it. And He's going to do it in and through you. Jesus prayed this for us. John 17, Pastor Chris started his series with this whole intention. Jesus said this, and this is after he said everything that he said. He's about to go to the cross. And Jesus said this, I don't pray for just these I've been talking to. But also for those who will believe in me through their word that they all may be one, as you, Father, are in me, and I in you, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that you sent me. Now, let me ask you a question. Do you think God's going to answer that prayer? He not only prayed for his disciples, we know he answered the prayer in the disciples. Here's what I want you to have. I want you to be convinced He's going to answer that prayer in you. Because here's the premise. Only a convinced people convince the world. Only a convinced people convince the world. Here's my prayer for you. I pray that the Holy Spirit would convict you that sin has been conquered. That righteousness is available and that the enemy of this world has already been judged and he's alive in you and the works that Jesus said that I do you shall do greater because I go to the Father why don't we just let the Holy Spirit convince us and walk that way I can get up in the morning convinced I'm not bound by anything. I'm right with God and the enemy, no matter what he brings against me, he's a conquered foe and God has given me authority. And by our walk and by our words, we become a living witness of the righteousness and the fullness of the salvation of the Lord. You say, well, then then the whole world will come. No, listen, they won't come. Because, you see, if somebody's drowning in the ocean and you throw them a life preserver, they've still got the choice of whether they're going to take it. They may think they're good enough swimmers. They may refuse because, you see, if they ever admit that God's right, it means they're not. Don't think that because we're going to convince the world that everyone... No, but there is going to be a harvest. It says everyone who he is called. God is calling people. And it's not our responsibility to convict them of their sins. It's our responsibility to live and speak in such a way. by By life and by lip. Speak in such a way that they will see... truth and the truth will set them free let's pray father i praise you and thank you that by the power of your holy spirit we have the authority to walk into the very throne room and trust you and trust you Whatever we talk to you about, you are going to be at work in our lives and through our lives in such a way that the world will see and know that you sent Jesus. Father, would you make us one? Would you make us a convinced people? Would you help us to to be convinced ourselves? (laughs) And would you give us your direction? Guide us into all truth. Lord, I pray for a harvest. I pray that you would use us in such a way that you would transform this community. Show us what you want to do. We're going to hear and respond to you. We trust you now in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's message. For more information or to listen to past sermons, go to newcovenantlampasses.com.